Good afternoon and welcome back after a mini break to uh, Tales of Two Teachers with me, M. And me, M. Uh, yes, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, again, apologies. It is, we're very, very deep into exam season now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, all, the, all the way up to the... No, I'm not saying that. Anyway, we're, we're just uh, very, very uh, hard in it now and it's causing us to be quite busy at some point. So we do apologise for missing last week's. Um, we will try to ensure that we keep it up nice steady rhythm uh, in the next few weeks. Well, of course, next week, of course, we hope to be um, broadcasting en français. Yes. Um, if we can find a little bit of time to steal away, um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly do that, won't we? We will. Yeah. Okay. So... We've got a few things. Oh, you're right. Oh, you've yeah. had a cough for a little while, haven't you? I have got still a little, trying to shake it's a little that. Little tickly cough. Yeah, right. We're trying to shake that. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with some questions. I know as well. A couple of people asked for those uh, humiliating match reports. Mm. And then we want to talk a little bit about um, warfare. This yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well this came off the topics. back of one of our trainees who we're really pleased actually has ended up with a job. Yes, here. at this department. Uh, his observation lesson was about battles and I thought yeah. like as a kid that would have really got my attention I really like stuff like that mm. military so history um, military history is like sort of right up my street so yeah. so um so yeah so we're going to do a little bit about battles and warfare, and warfare absolutely yeah inspired thank you very much by R we should have R on really now because he's a permanent member of the department and he'd have to, have to come on yeah <clears throat> okay so two questions now the first one um a bit sad well, I don't know, actually. It's anonymous. I didn't want to give their name. I have started teacher training, but not sure I want to continue it at this point. Um, do you think it gets easier at M&M? Oh, another statistic. No, you don't want to be that, do you? You don't want to be another statistic. It does. I think it does get easier. I think the first two years in particular are very, very hard. First of all, you're trying to sort of gain the respect of members of staff and also the students. Hmm. When you've been through a full cycle of students, that five years, you'll find that you know everyone and they'll know you and respect you. Also, the first time you go through the curriculum and you have to teach it, there's an awful lot of work that goes into the preparation and the development of your lessons. Now, that's not to say that in future you won't sort of doctor your lessons accordingly for your scaffolding and sort of um, to support different, different types of students, but you won't be going into the lessons blind anymore. You know, I'd like to think there wasn't an English lesson I could walk into now where as long as I knew the topic and roughly where I was up to, I wouldn't be able to wing it. And I'll put it that way. I don't wing it, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, let's make it very clear. But, <laughs> and what I'm saying is I wouldn't have been able to do that in my first couple of years of teaching. Mm. I wouldn't have had the confidence or the ability or the pedagogy to do it. Mm. What do you think? No, I, I totally agree. Uh, it's The learning curve is incredibly steep. It really, really is. Um, it does get easier. I think probably after, maybe after two years in it, I think each year gets slightly easier after that. For sure. Depends what you do with it. Obviously, some, you know, you might take on new responsibilities and things that you've got to then learn and adapt to. But I think when you've got those base skills, the planning, the understanding, the, the bank of behaviour management yeah. um, strategies. ability to reflect and yeah. react. And... and then change things as you go. It makes it a million times easier. So, I'm honest, I do promise it does get easier. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't get easier overnight. But it, 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 when, you, when you finally get to see the good parts of it, you'll realise that that journey towards the easier part is well worth it anyway. Maybe you could email us back and tell us what elements in particular mm. that you're struggling with and we might, we might be able to drill down into them and give you a little bit more information. Absolutely. Any advice we're happy to give. Um, I'm also very... It's just, Em's just closing the door. He's, uh, he's very worried about that, making too much noise. So that used to be very, you were very elegant there. Oh, very, very elegant. And move like a, like a ferret. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. With something, Scampering uh, across with something the up, uh, up its, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, um, yes, no, it does get easier, but it, it, 
just make sure. I mean, the first, especially, it's really hard to win your training because you don't. It's not your class. It's yeah. not your class room. No. Um, it's it's so so hard. So yeah, no. The yeah. the first couple of years are the hardest you'll do. Get back in touch. We're always we're always happy to help wherever we can. Um, Number two, from Kelly. Is exam season very stressful for teachers? I mean, probably a self-evident question, Kelly. I don't know why you're asking, but exam, yes. <laughs> exam season's a, f- a funny old thing because obviously the, the children are playing their cup final, if you mm. sort of, if you the pardon my, the, the football mm. analogy here. Yeah. Um, that's their cup final. Everything that they've been learning from key stage one upwards, sort of um, a, a crescendo isn't it? It culminates yeah, in this sort of crescendo where they're, they're given this opportunity to, you know, reap the reward or, or, to, or to fail. But by proxy, we too are also judged on yeah. their ability yeah. and um, how they perform in that cup final. Absolutely. Um, I find it particularly stressful when I have only had the class for a year. Yeah. And then, you know, basically, you know, there's... 13, 14 years of their life that I have had no control <laughs> no over, over yeah. and I have had ultimately, you know, one one school year, yeah. uh, 30, what, 38 weeks, yeah. 38 weeks to try and turn around, in some cases, the damage that's been, been done, done before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, well, I mean, stressful. I think it, the stress is multi-layered, isn't it? So, the, I mean, if you do it just from a data perspective, which isn't all education's about, but it's a big part of it at the moment, mm. you've got your results, your class results, then there's a department, so departmental results, and then of course there's a school, so school results as well, which can have an effect on how many students want to come in, you know, reputationally in the next few years, which can have an effect on what how how big your cohorts are and have a bit effect on how many teachers you're going to have at that school. So it's it is huge. The pressure is huge. So yes, yeah. exam season is stressful for a number of reasons. But <coughs> the kids are also really worried and upset, and so that adds to your personal stress because obviously you don't like seeing kids worried, upset, you know. Yeah. Happy the parents are like worried and upset, course, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and as sort of as as Em's just alluded to there, you know, ultimately call it what you want. Bums on seats is the currency that we trade in, yeah. And if the grades aren't there, we don't get them, and that's the we don't get the children, we don't get the children, we don't get the um, the funding, mm-hmm. we don't get the funding, and it has that sort of um, circular vicious effect. Mm. Um, so it's difficult. And the other thing is the other element of it is our own sort of professionalism and personal pride. Of course, we, we don't yeah. want these don't kids want to fail. We no. want them to, you know, when they do well, we do well. Yeah. So there's that element of it as well. So yeah, it, it is a stressful time of the year. Yeah, extremely. Um, just to kind of a, a little bit of a, an odd, odd sequitur about stress. Um, the trainee was telling us about um, the, the trainee people who are training on his course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the cohort that he's in at the moment, there are no English trainees or science trainees. No. None. For any whole year. Imagine yeah. that. In a, in a training institution, none in those two areas. Like two, two core it? subjects. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So, um, I mean, that's kind of added, obviously, extra stress around the profession. Um, but, yeah, exam season, very, very stressful. Um, and finally, from David... If we answer this, should we teach more life skills? I think we kind of have. Have we answered that before? I'm sure we have. Yeah, we talked. <laughs> we talked about that, didn't we? Last, last time, and we said that we both felt that there was an, under whatever guise it's usually presented as, whether it's PSHE or citizenship yeah. mm. or whatever else, we do feel like, especially at maybe form time, mm. that would be an appropriate slot yeah. with your tutor to have regular life lessons to do with money and finances and taxes and yeah whatever else kind of Re- I mean, relationships and yeah we're doing those at the moment actually yeah, yeah right now what was the one thing that you wish you had been told at school with life skill then uh which you could then take forward 
Because I can't remember. Did you mention about those things? I don't think I got very much you know, from any of that. I, I think, wish I had better careers advice. Yeah. Here because comes Kay again. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't fancy it. Doesn't fancy no, it. in you come. Come on in, Kay. What are you come doing? Come on in. You, oh, yeah. Come on, in. check these books. Come this and take a time seat. you've got to come and say hello to the listeners. You can't interrupt we it. Get, and then... we, get, we get emails about you all the time. They're desperate for Kate to come back. You're not prepared. <laughs> what, what do you think, Kate, if at school, what's the life skill you wish they'd have taught you at school, which you weren't taught at the time, which maybe we should be teaching kids more often? I said careers advice, but like we hardly had any. Yeah, I'd say careers advice and maybe just how to be in a workplace with people from different age groups and backgrounds, maybe. That's interesting, yeah, that's good. isn't it? You know what I thought last night? The menopause. Because we, we do sex ed, don't we? Yeah. I was watching a show last night. How, if I asked any of the kids in my form or any of my classes, how many would know what the menopause was, do you think? Yeah, and therefore, how many would be articulate enough and sort of uh, respectful enough to be able to... To discuss it, it properly and not offend people. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah many of them will have mothers, possibly carers, who are going through the menopause, obviously, and many of them will have partners or themselves who are going through it. Do a lot about sex and relationships like that, but none about the menopause. Never thought about that. Watched a show last night with my partner about it, and that's uh, that's what it came up. Oh, and we've got another oh. another surprise guest. So K is being replaced with C now. Ah, uh, Mr. C. Hello. Hello. <laughs> It's not very exciting, is it? Oh, that is a shame. Mr. C is uh, the boss of this department, and we will certainly have him on um, as a special guest very soon. Yeah. Pardon the interruption there. Obviously, uh, Emma and I are very, very popular. We can't can't fight them off. Um, But yes, no, just to to summarise my final point on that, definitely um, the show I was watching, The Menopause, definitely something I think needs to be taught much more um, regularly. I, I, I don't think I've ever taught about it, and I never was taught about it at school. No. And I couldn't say it. I, couldn't, I know too much about it, really. Very limited, very limited. But very obviously a huge moment in, in women's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, thank you for your questions as ever, guys. Please, can you send them in? Especially if you've got a little um, Gaelic bent you'd like to add to your oh, uh, yeah. question. Uh, that would be brilliant for next week. So, uh, oh my God, tales of two teachers yeah. at gmail.com. If you do have any questions, especially if they've got <coughs> uh, kind of a uh, French... You know, a whiff of it. Twist, yeah. Twist is nice and whiff. Uh, Please send them in and we would love to have them next week when we come live from France. Right. Um, I know that a couple of weeks ago people wanted a match report. You play. We'll start with the actual one, not the night joke one. You played in a semi-final game. Um, Would you like to tell us a little bit, a brief match report about it? Let's not be too self-indulgent. Let's not spend too much. No, no, no. And in fact, it's not a really happy story. Yeah, it's not. No, uh, we've beaten 2-0. All the possession. All the idea. Um, Just... Execution was poor. I had a, I had a sniff, first yeah. sort of five, six minutes, got mm. in behind the defence, ball came across, got a toe to it five years ago, I think I would have put it in the back <laughs> yeah. of the net, but I'm a little bit slower than I was. Yeah. And uh, we were punished, tactically inept. Yeah. Um, very frustrating. Mm. A team that I've probably been playing against for seven, eight years and never been beaten by them, and typically when it really, really counts, we were beaten by them. They had two chances and they scored two goals. Very annoying. That is annoying. However, you you do have the chance to finish an unbeaten season, league season this afternoon. Yeah. Right? yeah. So tonight we're playing in the um, the last league game um, against a team that are bottom of the league. 
and uh, saw a chance to be uh, to have an invincible, invincible season. Invincible season, so, mate. You're uh, really yeah, done. Good. Yes, you definitely look forward to that then. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to you talking through the match. Uh, what are the last two matches? I can't even remember. Not not this week. The week before. Mm, so I, I didn't play in that one. I was the referee. You were the ref, weren't you? Because you had a slight was it knee injury? Or yeah, just a little, little, just knee, little knee, knee injury. Yeah, knock or whatever. I went over on my ankle, didn't I? And I sent you the picture of the. I rolled it, so I sent you the picture of my ankle the next day. Oh, you worried me the way you Terrible. the way you went down on the yeah, ankle. There was a, a, a cracking noise. Limp, a limp ankle. Yeah, it didn't look great. They had a big golf ball swelling the day after. Mm. However, I did play on. I soldiered on, and that one I scored my first ever volley. You did <laughs> the old over hey, shoulder. No volley one well. was more surprised. Than me. <laughs> but I, I think. Can we tell my them? Dad, you, can you tell them what you messaged me that night? What did I message? I can't remember. You said, "Now that I've scored a volley, does that make me a footballer?" <laughs> does that make me a real footballer? Yes. Yeah. And, and you said. You've always been a football to me, which is very sweet. <laughs> very good. So, I, I, yeah, no, that was a, a game. Actually, that week... You were brilliant. We didn't... Well, actually, our team wasn't as skillful... No. ...as the other team. Our team actually had a, a couple of players who won... Football's a game football. of chess. Indeed. And you matched them. Yeah. And then you took your chances. Exactly. And then you, we, did, we didn't go toe-to-toe on the skill level. A lot of it was... There was quite a lot of, like, off the line or just about... A lot of last stuff from you. Yeah. You were... You were everywhere, mate. The busted ankle. You were, well. you were box to box, mate. And and the week after, mm. my knee wrecked. Like remember when I was when I came off the switch, the mm. bitch blood oozing out of my knee. You give it all. Jesus, over no, no, yeah, I never, I can't stop. Like, but this last week's was a bit. Was actually was that seven aside. Seven aside. Oh, uh, an game. hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, that's why we carried on, didn't we? Yeah, we the inevitable. Um, it must be a British thing. Next goal wins. <laughs> Immaterial of what's come before. <laughs> even though we oh, were winning about seven one. Yeah, we did the old uh, next goal wins, mm. which lasted about thirty minutes. No one could hit a band or the banjo. No, no. Also, but could they? No. But it was because uh, this was getting sunny. I think it was a bit harder to run in the in the warmth. But um, I noticed as well. I had to play, and I mentioned to my dad. I basically was. Um, I've played very much the Kaiser at the back, yeah. uh, Beckenbauer. And I was, I was always left on my own against, like, you know, R is about 7 foot 10. Uh, and then that's, it, that's quite relevant to what, what I'm about to talk about yeah. in a minute, where, you know, like, like the, the gates of sort of Thermopylae, <laughs> you found yourself up it, against it, it. Up against it. Yeah, but uh, not no, against Persians. Well, no, not against Persians. There were no Persians. Um, but no, I actually find the seven aside, I really enjoy that because. Mm. I think five aside is a bit is a bit quicker, and obviously we had a bigger pitch as well. It's a bit quicker, and also you really have to have a good touch. And I don't. five aside's a different game. Yeah, I whereas I, a bit more there was launching a lot of launching it long, and I kept just moving it. You were ahead of him. Oh, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Yeah, so you about, reminds me of a young um, Papa Booba Diop. <laughs> Just putting your head. I was, on I was hoping you were going to say Nesta. You know, no, <laughs> not that. No, not that. A young no. Titus Bram. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and when you're you're always very good though. So reporting on you in those star football things quite hard because you you usually do the same thing. Your stride out of either from the back or midfield is always very good. You have that very good stride. Very good with the ball. Long feet, in so. the leg. Yeah, you're just you always play well though, so it's hard to give a report on you because you no, you were you were the man of the match. It wasn't me. That's no, for but sure. it'd be, it's it's just hard to to report back on. I suppose um, my dad also never believes it. So can you tell my dad I did play okay? No, he's very good. <laughs> yeah, I need he that. was very good. Generally, yeah, I'll take that. Okay, right. Anyway, enough of the self indulgent football. Stuff. Right. <coughs> so we wanted to talk a bit about conflicts, as you mentioned. Um, ours lesson very good mm. on battles and key battles, and that kind of inspired us, didn't it, to do a little bit of work on. Mm. Militarism. Obviously, I as a history teacher and you as an English teacher with a lot of interest in history. Mm. Military history is something we talk about anyway. Did you watch his lesson? No, I didn't actually. I wasn't in his lesson. Um, Had you seen it? I had. I helped, uh, he showed me a plan. He chose Hastings. Nice. I think Somme. Yeah, okay. 
Oh, I can't the last one. Was it Waterloo? Can't remember. It was another. It Didn't was another he do one. War of the um, Hundred Years War? Was it, War? it, it was, was yeah, Agincourt or Cressy? Um, maybe. No, I don't think it was Cressy. It, must have, it might have been Agincourt. I think he didn't do Bosworth because I was thinking about that one actually because I really like Bosworth but no yeah but they were there were three of them we got different time periods okay. and his lesson he was asking his students about significance and importance which was the more significant mm-hmm. what what sort of thing would you use to decide that and why have you decided oh this that? is good because this is what, what you've this done, is something that, that I've gone for this afternoon mm. as well I've gone for something different so we'll start with yours because mine was uh, to be honest uh, I lost what I originally did and I've got mm-hmm. something a bit easier so we'll do that in a minute let's do yours because I know you've got some battles you'd like to talk us through two particular I believe two two battles in mm. particular mm. this is going to be a bit nerdy this is more yeah. of like you, a you sort of it, a, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, this is right up my street too <laughs> This is um, this is two really important battles that I think that have have shaped the modern world, but ones that you probably don't know about, and they were ferocious, mm. but actually not very long battles necessarily. Um, and again, apart from uh, apart from the odd film portrayal, you know, people don't know about them. So the first one I'm going to do is the Battle of Abu Clear. Which happened, they don't know exactly when it happened. Do you think it happened mm. between the 16th and the 18th of um, March in 1885? And this came as part of the Gordon Relief Expedition. So Gordon, General Gordon, is, um, is in Khartoum at the time he's besieged by the Mahdist forces. Okay, so this is Sudan. The Mahdist forces being? Um, being the sort of revolutionary... Um, that's the best way to describe him. Tribal leader, mm. um, thinks he's appointed by God, mm-hmm. um, Islam. He, a caliphate of sorts, he's going to unite the tribes, Saddam, against British, basically British British rule. Yeah, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. so obviously the British interest in it is that Saddam is not a million miles away from um, Cairo. Yeah. Um, you've also got things like the control of the Nile there and things like that. This is a major problem for British foreign policy mm. should Khartoum and then subsequently perhaps Cairo yeah. and other parts of the Middle East fall into, North Africa and the Middle East fall into into the hands. The other thing as well is this, the whole idea of a domino effect of if it falls, does it encourage other Revolutionaries, mm. to, yeah. you know, yeah, to yeah, sort to, to rebel against. Is the Suez Canal still important? Really important by the eighteen eighty five? I would have thought it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they'd be worried about that. Oh well. yeah. yeah, super, super, super important. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, Gordon's trapped in Khartoum, and uh, Gladstone and Queen Victoria at the time decide that they're going to send a um, a relief expedition called the Gordon Relief Expedition to go and bail Gordon out and mm-hmm. get him out, get him out of Khartoum, basically. Mm-hmm. 1,400 soldiers that come primarily from camel regiments and, interestingly, some um, Royal Marine and Naval Brigades helping them out as well. They arrive on the night at a place called Abu Clear where there's a wadi and some wells there. And throughout the night, they're sniped at by the Mahdist forces. Now, the Mahdi um, and the Dervish, they don't fight in the dark because... um, because they're not trained warriors of, as such. The only way they fight is they follow a banner. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so what it. the British learned to do was keep shooting the man with the banner and they <laughs> would stop. They doing. Okay. And they would stop. Mm. So they know um, a, lot, a lot of Arab armies are the same. Um, you even see it with things, people like the Taliban. They tend not to fight in the dark because mm-hmm. they realise that a loss of order in battle is, is a bigger Pretty problem. Pretty disastrous, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty disastrous. So they arrive yeah. in the night... 
and um, they decide that they're going to form square the British. In the morning, they start to approach the wadi, and this is where it gets, I think, gets uh, exciting. This square comes up against a force of about 14,000 dervish. Mm-hmm. 14,000. And they appear out of the rocks in, in little um, hollows by the, by the wells in the wadi. Mm-hmm. They're not expecting them. And they come up on them really quickly. And that's a problem for the British Army because what ends up happening is they end up sort of hand-to-hand fighting, whereas actually they've got mm. a massive advantage because they've got rifles. Yeah, they've only got rifles, yeah. But obviously they break the distance, or they break down the distance, and they rather than getting six or seven volleys at them, which would probably have dispersed them, they're on them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets interesting, because what they, did, what they end up doing is they've got a guard and a machine gun there, and they mount it on top of a camel. And um, that machine gun is reaping all kinds of... All kinds of problems yeah, on on the on the approaching dervish. Um, but it hasn't really been used in the desert before, and the sand plays plays its role. Yeah, seventy rounds in, it jams, it jams up, yeah. and then um, the officer decides to try and send the machine gun outside of the square to try and give some covering fire as they're trying to manoeuvre. They're surrounded on three sides at this point. The dervish managed to break in on the corner, which is only the second time in the 19th century and, and subsequently when a British square was breached. Do you know when the first one was? You told me the other day, didn't you? I can't remember. Waterloo. Oh, right. Um, and that was an accident. That was, they shot a French chasseur and the, because of the mud, the horse came sliding and knocked a no, hole. Knocked, knocked right. a hole in the square. Mm. The other chasseurs end up riding into the, into the square and they got bayoneted out. So... This one is the only one where they actually fought the way in, mm-hmm. I would say, which is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. The battle itself takes 15 minutes from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So it's ferocious. Mm. Um, the British have 74 dead and 100 injured. The Mardi, the Mardis forces, 1,100 dead. And God knows how many they tend to carry their wounded off with them. Mm-hmm. 1,100 dead, which is massive. Now, the officer in charge, Sir Herbert Stewart, he was killed. Uh, at the battle he died that night he actually took a spear to the throat he died that night and he um he gives the command to someone with very limited sort of uh, experience a chap called um sir charles um sir charles wilson he's incredibly slow at mobilizing his mobilizing his forces they're fighting their way towards uh, khartoum they fight a, a number of short small skirmishes when they arrive at Khartoum, it's um, Mahdi banners on the walls mm-hmm. and um, Gordon's been killed. Okay. Now, why that's so important is because obviously um, we then retreated from the Sudan and it remained under the, under the Mahdi's, um, under his leadership then mm-hmm. for the next 13 years. Mm-hmm. It was a, a stepping stone, I think, to a serious reduction in British foreign policy yeah. in, in the area. In the area. Yeah. So um, that was really, really important. It's got significance not only militarily with a square bridge, but also long-term in terms of empire building. Yeah, for sure. The and the other thing I like about that battle is is that the, the modern meets the sort of me- medieval. I mm. mean, the, the Mahdi, the, although they would have some sort of flintlock muskets with them and stolen rifles that they've yeah, taken of off from yeah, previous yeah. battles yeah. Mo- more often than not they're armed with shield and spear mm-hmm. and they're armed with um, swords mm-hmm. so obviously you've heard about like the sort of the wearing dervish and people like that yeah, yeah, they yeah. are well, you know world renowned for their um, ferocity in battle mm. you know mounted on horses and on camels as well mm-hmm. riding to battle on camels so yeah. um, that's a really cool one the second one is 
the Alamo. <laughs> the Alamo, definitely a bit better known that one. So, it? oh, I was going to say about Abu Clear, it is, you do see it a little bit in um, The Four Feathers, which has been made and then remade subsequently. So the first one, I can't remember who was in it. Mm. It's about a chap who is, um, he's a pacifist, he won't go. His regiment's called up to fight in the Sudan campaign, he won't go. And his friends give him a white feather. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he um, he goes out there, he pretends to be a um, slave. Mm-hmm. Um, who is who is dumb, and um, yeah, he gives them the feathers back by performing heroic things in battle. <laughs> Jesus, and the more modern one was called the Four, the Four Feathers as well, and that's got Heath Ledger in. Oh right, okay. I'm so that's worth a watch. Yeah, what's that? Um, yeah. They're the two great movies. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, we don't hear a lot about that. No, that's that about history. Really, no, so the second one's the Alamo, mm-hmm. uh, February the twenty third to March the six, uh, March the sixth, eighteen thirty six, and this is pivotal. In the uh, Texan Revolution and sort of shaping America as as it looks now, and that's why I wanted yeah. to talk about it. So, in my best Spanish accent, um, you've oh, got God. um Generalissimo Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna. Mm-hmm. He is trying to reclaim Texas as part of Mexico after mm. Texan revolutionaries have basically kicked out Mexican forces in that part of you know what was previously Mexico, and now we we know as Texas that side of the Rio Grande. Um. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of Texans there. Ultimately, <laughs> they're seriously ill equipped. Yeah, but they have got nineteen cannons, including one eighteen pound cannon. <laughs> yeah, a, a bit a big yeah, boy. Yeah. So part of the sort of Texan preliminary government, which includes a chap called Sam Houston. We know Sam Houston because, of course, Houston is named after mm-hmm. him, Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. He sends Jim Bowie. And we've heard of a Bowie knife. Not David's brother. No, not David's brother. He sends Jim Bowie and about 30 men to basically go to the to the Alamo, which is an old mission, mm-hmm. and to remove the cannons, to bring them back, and anyone there to bring them back with them because they want to fight at a later date when they're more equipped. Yeah. He arrives there, and the commander who's there, James C. Neal, uh, he says that he actually really values the idea of the defensive position that the Alamo holds, that they're better trying to hold them to give um to give Houston longer basically to to prepare themselves. So um James C. Neal instead writes the provisional government and he asks for help. And in turn, cavalry officer William B. Travis arrives with 30 more men, days later, followed by Tennessee volunteers, including Davy Crockett. Oh, I did have, of course. Now, yeah. Davy Crockett obviously already lived in infamy in America mm-hmm. as a famous sort of mountain man. Mm-hmm. But he's also done two t- two terms as the um, congressman for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, why did he go to Texas? It seems like an odd thing to do for a former congressman to go. Yeah. Ultimately, he was a bit miffed that he wasn't given another term. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd fallen out of favour a little bit there, but I believe he was also... Um, sort of approached and groomed by the Texan government to say, if you come and fight, we will give you X amount of land. Mm-hmm. So basically, he was going to make his fortune. Yeah. Um, we've all we all have heard of Davy Crockett and his Rick and hat and yeah. whatever else. But um, yeah, he went there and he and he wasn't he wasn't going to return. It was it was played by John Wayne in the film The Alamo as well. Good film, I actually good film. Travis and Bowie decide to share the command. And uh, Colonel James Fannin sends reinforcements to them from Houston. 
they don't arrive, they don't get there in time. In fact, they actually turn back. Um, expecting an attack, Travis draws a line in the sand, which is really, really nice. And he says to all the men, of which there are only about 300 there, and he says, if you want to leave, step over that line. Mm. One does, I can't remember his name, I think his surname was Moses. He, he leaves, but what he's the only one. The rest of them decide they're going to stay, mm-hmm. and they turn down an opportunity to surrender, yeah. knowing full well that it probably means they'll, win that. Yeah. they'll lose. Um, a bombardment arrive, starts as soon as Santa Ana arrives with his pretty hefty force of several thousand men. Mm-hmm. They are Mexican regulars with full training mm-hmm. and full equipment. Um on March 6th, the bombardment stops and um, the Mexican soldiers start to attack. They're repulsed twice before finally breaching the outer walls and then desperate fighting the inner walls. It's believed that um, Bowie at this time was actually ill. He probably didn't fight. We don't know exactly what he had, but perhaps pleurisy or something like that. It was likely that he was already dying on his deathbed, yeah, if not dead, by the, t- by the time the Mexicans broke mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. Uh, within an hour of the assault, it was it was finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started at half five in the morning. It finished by six thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Assuming the Mexicans wanted to attack in the the coolness yeah, of the morning, exactly, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't really know the ins and outs of the battle and how many people were lost, but they think between one hundred and eighty two and two hundred and fifty seven Texans and Tennesseans were killed, and as many as six hundred Mexicans were killed, which would be about right three to one on your attacking forces on a siege. Mm-hmm. On April the 21st, so a month or so later, Sam Houston fights the battle of San Jacinto against Santa Ana. They capture him. Santa Ana actually loses his leg in the battle, and that was, I thought, was an interesting thing. He ends up having a state funeral for his um, oh, for yes. his leg. Tell me about that. For his leg. <laughs> yeah, 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 for his leg. Yeah. Um, Texas becomes the 28th state. Mm-hmm. Um, they get there in sort of yeah they get to be part of the um, United, United States, States. Mm. on December the 29th, eighteen forty five. It's very unbelievably significant then. And do you think so? The point of it was to what to slow them down enough to allow yeah. Houston to finish his yeah oh, inc- incredible bravery, mm. incredible bravery to um, to give Houston and Fallon an opportunity to to raise enough men, which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, when they heard about what happened at the Alamo, and they do think that um, there were some captured, potentially Davy Crockett was one that was captured. Some say he was captured, some say he was found with 16 dead Mexicans around. <laughs> I, like, I like that version that of one it. Obviously but whatever, we, whatever did happen, we yeah. know that the prisoners were, were executed. Yeah. Um, Santana hoped that that would put people off joining yeah, the course. Yeah. It didn't. It, it, it Only emboldened them. Absolutely. So, um, two bits of history that people don't really know about that I thought are really, really interesting. He's a, he's one of. The, I think I'd a, I was reading about Santiano afterwards. He's a pretty appalling leader. I'm pretty sure he ranks yeah, really low. well liked in Mexico. He's really done, well I'm liked. Not, I'm not sure he's ranked very highly amongst military historians. I don't think no. he's a big fan of. Well, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a mil- military tactician. I no. mean, ultimately, he just threw everything he could. Uh, and ultimately, <laughs> three hundred men that were were very poorly equipped, mm. pretty much starving. Yeah, you know, right. and yeah. didn't really fancy it. Yeah. You know, quite frankly, um, as soon as he came up against any sort of decent opposition, and they were massively, um, they massively had the odds in their favour at the Battle of San Jacinto. Yeah, but were uh, caught by surprise and thumped. Yeah. Yeah, good. Have they got, is there a film about on the um, Battle of San Jacinto? I no. know it's always a Peter Gabriel song. 
I don't think so. Not that there probably is somewhere, but not yeah. not a mainstream. It's not like not John Wayne esque. Not John no. Wayne esque. That is a good film. Actually. That is a good, that is a good film. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. And what I always love whenever you we talk about um, history, because if you I can't remember is your degree in history? No, English. Yeah, you just know a lot about history, didn't you? Um, and I, I very much enjoy hearing from you because mm. uh, you're you're very passionate and you're very interested in it as well, which mm. I, I absolutely love. Uh, next time we do this, we need to do. I'll do Battle of Vienna. You do Siege of Paris because oh, I think we both love that. Absolutely slapped. Right. Okay. My one isn't quite like that. Mine was much more simple. Okay. Um, we're also we're right. We actually it's a thirty-five minutes anyway, so right. it doesn't too matter too much. You'll probably be all right at this. I'm just going to give you some. Um, First time a technology or a weapon or something was used in a in a war. Okay. I want you to tell me. Can you tell me the war or the civilization that used it? Something like that. I've got a couple oh. of. I know you'd love it. I've got a couple of cl- um, classical civilization inventions. Oh, cool. They're your favourite. Um, and then some other bits as well. And then so this is more technological. So I know yours is about significance of two really important battles. These are kind of significance in terms of technology. But I okay. I've turned it into more of a little pub quiz thing to be okay. honest. I mean, my other things on the battles I've lost. I'll oh, define it. They're on my desk. I'm going to do badly at this. What? No, you'll do fine. Um, chariot. Chariot. And if you're playing long at home, yeah, just... just so, yeah, what? do you know, can you get the battles? Fair so, shoes. so, you can give me... I've got here, because we don't know for certain, we've got evidence from three civilizations mm-hmm. that used them. Um, first, would you be able to name any of them? You probably would be able to name at least one, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. Um... Well, I know, I know um, the Battle of Kadesh is one of the first known battles and certainly Egyptian forces yeah, used that. Yeah. And they were fighting against the Hittites who also, mm-hmm. who also had them as well. Yeah. I imagine a lot of those people, the, the Babylonians, certainly later on the Persians, Persians used them yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, the Greeks incorporated it again, the Macedonians. Mm-hmm. I know that Alexander incorporated oh, yeah, it into his army as well. Yeah. Particularly the side chariots, they didn't work that well. Mm. Um, you bang on, mate. You, there's one. The only other one is the AC. Syrians, which they say they almost certainly yeah. use but even in, even even like sort of more local to Europe mm. the Iceni yeah, used yeah. them as Later well on, yeah. absolutely more people think they're used for like when you see them in Ben Hare, those mm. side chariots and things like that, like for riding into people, they wouldn't mean much good because a horse won't actually ride at someone. No. They'll always try and find a gap. What they were good for is sort of a mobile missile platform. Yeah, yeah, to throw and to, to get away quickly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. No, you would bang on, mate. Two, uh, two of those exercises. Oh. Uh, oh, let's let's take it forward a bit. The walkie-talkie. Mm. The walkie-talkie. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't like what we have now, but it was. It's basically a mobile Cup radio a string. unit. <laughs> Put that uh, that. It's like a mobile radio unit, basically. Mobile radio yeah. unit. Gonna say, oh, couldn't be as couldn't be as early as. What would that? Eighteen. 18, no, no, you're well too early in 1800s. I might. Yeah. No, 1890, we're thinking like right at the very Oh, yeah, it's still way no, too early. Way too early. Yeah. World War I? No, not quite. World War Two. Oh, really? So, mobile radio units, World War Two walkie-talkie that we'd have today that could usually wind them up mm-hmm. uh, and they'd be available that way. Yeah, cool. Uh, duct tape to stop leaks in your ammunition not, box. Not made out of ducks. No. <laughs> duct tape. To stop uh, leaks in your ammunition box. World War I? No, it's World War Two again. I would have thought probably a bit earlier than that because yeah. I know particularly people found it really annoying. The old, the powders dry, however, mm-hmm. you got to keep your powder dry. Mm-hmm. But duct tape not do World War Two. Uh, the catapult. Give me the year, if you the, can. The catapult. Yeah, the first ever use of catapult. Because lots of people think they're not they're actually a medieval invention, but they are no, much well, older. Well, than well that. before. Yeah. I mean, like certainly, certainly the Romans had mm. it. The Romans had it. I would assume the Greeks had some sort of. It's whether the, whether the Greeks find them. I don't think the Greeks would have invented them. I can't remember. I can't remember thinking that as far back as the Egyptians used them. I don't, I don't think, think so. No, I would say the Greeks certainly had, um, 
like basically a great big crossbow mm. and things like that. Mm. So I'm going to say Greeks, and I'm going to say pre Thermopylae, Thermopylae 380. That's right, you're almost there. Uh, I'm going to say 350 BC. Oh, no, 400 BC. 400 BC. 400 BC. You're almost there, okay, though. Yes, so bad. Not, not far there. off Mars. I think I'm almost certain it is Greek, they reckon. Yeah. yeah. So for Greek first ever use of it. Might not, it might not look like a medieval catapult, but in terms of what it was designed to do, yeah. it was a catapult. So, yeah. Um, it's a little bit, but you did fall for the misnomer. I was a fool to think you would, wasn't I, really? Mm-hmm. Um, barbed wire. So it's, it's kicking around. Uh, I, I just it's kicking around in the definitely 19th using century. the war. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Ball war. Yeah, the first ever time it was really implemented. Again, a lot of people might say World War One, yeah, but it predates the invention of what is ultimately a concentration, concentration camp. camp. Yeah, Boer War, absolutely, yeah. um, and a British invention, of course. Yeah. Um, steamships. This is one that we we've talked about this war Steam before. Ships. Steamships. Yeah, and it came right at the end of this war, but they've deployed this. Yeah, first. the Chapo Russo War. No, what, no, that's 1904, no, way before that. Way before? Yeah, about 100 years before. Oh, Napoleonic. Yeah, so it's the War of 1812. War of 1812. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, we go back for another go with the Americans, don't we, really? Um, yeah, War of 1812. In fact, it was deployed, in, I think, in, at the end of 1811. Uh, 18, 18, 18, at the end of 1812, sorry. So okay. right at the end of that war, the first ever steamship. Okay, let's just go. The Telegraph. Not the, not the newspaper, not the Daily Telegraph, but the Telegraph to send messages. Which war do you think it was? Surely World War One or before, surely? Before that. Well, before. Yeah. Not too long before, but it is before it. What country do you think that would be? I might give you a clue. America? Mm-hmm. What, the Cuban company? No. Um, no. Civil War. Oh, no, it's it's I didn't realise it would be as far back as yeah, that. So Lincoln uh, used to send generals telegrams. So he, he oh, obviously, he's not in charge of the war, but he used to make sure, you know, that he <coughs> to be involved. So yeah, the telegram, first ever telegraph, so the first ever use in the civil war. Cool. Um, Did the South have that technology as well? I would have thought so, yeah. I imagine they would have, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have thought so. Cool. The camera for use in warfare. For use in warfare. So not, because they did actually document um, the Boer War. But this wasn't I like the McCoys. The McCoys are taking photos of one all the way, aren't they? <laughs> Patterns McCoys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for warfare, so used is to in terms of basically intelligence gathering. Intelligence gathering. Yeah. World War One. Yeah, World War One. Aerial, of course. So oh, fly yeah. over, and then what you can see. So take your bird's eye view, and then you can use it as part so, of your yeah your to show where the to, where the trenches exactly were. That, yeah. So positions. reconnaissance in World War One. Yeah. Okay. Um, two more. Oh, this. In fact, this one's easy. Chlorine. Yeah, well, all one. Well, well, nineteen fifteen Ypres, that you know, uh, obviously so appalling. We just banned it after some chemical weapons conventions to try and stop. Yeah. Using that kind of appalling thing, and finally DDT, which is pesticide. Um, where do you think that? What war do you think that was? And what is do you think they're doing? Is this a uh, red herring? What do you mean? Is this well, obviously? I want to say Vietnam. I just want to know whether or not it was used before. It that. was used before that. It was used. What before do you that? think they were using it for? To remove foliage because people can hide in there. Oh, uh, no, no, actually, for... not foliage, actually. They was, what, what, so it's a pesticide, so it was do, mainly to kill... Oh, I wonder whether or not... Were they doing it to... I don't know, like to destroy... It's to kill an animal. Which animal... So there was a massive problem in World War One. It was after World War One. They realised this was a huge problem, this, this animal, and they didn't want it anymore in, in uniforms. They wanted to kill it. So oh. they used DDT and they washed the uniforms in it and it would kill this animal. 
Oh, right, sure. Like, lice. Lice, exactly. So World War One lice was horrendous for yeah. um, in the in, obviously in the trenches particularly, uh, made worse by rats, mm-hmm. and so lice was a huge problem for soldiers. And so in World War Two, they just stuck DDT in uh, in part when they're washing the uniforms. Um, very very uh, limited impact from lice to soldiers, therefore. So they really managed to to do that. Obviously, DDT pretty shocking and poisonous. Pretty much banned now. I think loads of yeah. places. But uh, it certainly kept the lice away from those soldiers in World War Two. Indeed. There we go. So that one was a bit more pub quizzy. Your your this week. I know your dad used to. I've gone a bit nerdy. He said mean things about you, like oh you're not academic or smart enough. But you certainly took the biscuit in this one. You were you were certainly not nerdy. I'd say just passionate and engaging and interesting. Yeah, I did have a third. I know, yes, yeah, yeah. I think we're out. We can't, time, we can't go on, mate. Time, go on, go on, time just won't allow. We'll be here for hours. No, but, um, no, but I, as ever, I enjoyed that. And so next time we do military, we'll have to do it next time, but next time we do it, we could do Siege of Paris next, when we're in Paris, can we? Yeah. Yeah, what Why better not? way to do that? All right, we'll do that. We'll do Vienna. I'll, I'll do Battle of Vienna another time, because I love that. I'm so interested in that one. But we could do Siege of Paris next time, because that's okay. really interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's a few history teachers we can pull in to do little cameos if we like. Yeah. We'll try and make next week's a bit of a, because we've had K and C wandering, we'll try and get everyone in for at least a little bit. Maybe a question each and they can just do a little rotation. Yeah. Depends who's on duty, because obviously we've got to make sure those, yeah. Got to make sure the kids are safe. Yeah, I mean, that, we should do that for the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you very much for that, um, and I'm glad to be back. I always really enjoy doing this. It makes me feel a lot better. Mm. Just, it's nice. It's just nice, isn't it? Um, so any questions that you've got, and remember, if you can get any questions to us before next week, Try and do it midweek. It depends. It just depends on what's happening. Um, Tales of two teachers at gmail.com. If you yes. can get it with a French twist, we'd love it. Ooh la la. Ooh la la, indeed. Um, but for this week, it's goodbye from me, M. Oh, it's goodbye from me. Also, M. Also, M. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what are you doing? You're leaning forward like you've got something else to say. No, no, I'm oh, just buoyed just... By, by some historical facts. Just Absolutely. You just can't wait. Can you? You're going to be wound oh, up all day now. Yeah. Good luck tonight, and I hope the league ends unbeaten. Yeah, yeah. you too. Um, And we will speak to our wonderful listeners later. See you later. See ya. Bye.